now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Well, greetings and healthy, uh, happy, healthy, happy Friday, identifying as a Thursday or vice versa on the Steve Day Show. I'm not Steve. If you've uh, listened to the podcast or watched the TV show over the last couple of days, uh, you may have noticed Steve is recovering from a sinus infection. Allergies have been uh, pretty bad here in the Midwest uh, this year, and uh, Steve, it seems like, uh, is not immune to that, as well as most of the population here in the Midwest. Uh, so he's on the mend. He's actually sitting here uh, doing perform- performance evaluations for both Todd and I, as Todd and I attempt to helm this Feedback Thursday here on the Steve Day Show a podcast. Um, so this is extraordinarily nerve-wracking, because usually when Todd and I are hosting the show, we just mail it in the whole time, and then we have certain people email Steve and just say, hey, these guys actually did a really good job. So then Steve actually thinks that we actually, you know, put forth some effort. But now that he's actually sitting in on us as we're attempting to do this without him, uh, it is a little bit nerve-wracking, Todd, I would say. Um, if you uh, want to uh, follow us on social media, which we want you to, to do, you can do so. Searching uh, Steve Dace on Facebook, you can follow our show page, Steve Dace Show, on our Facebook watch, and just our regular show page, Steve Dace. You can follow Steve on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dace Producer, and Todd, at Dace Online. Uh, also, want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast and you like it and you haven't done this yet... Please leave us a review. Uh, it's really, really helpful, and uh, you, a lot of you have done such a, a tremendous job in doing so. I check on those reviews every now and again, and we really appreciate it. If you like the podcast, give us a good review. Uh, give us a five-star rating, if you would, on your podcast provider, whether that's through Apple or through some provider on the Google Play Store. We really appreciate it, and it helps you, and it helps us uh, reach more people if you like what we're doing here, so please give that a thought. Well, as I said, we're uh, doing a Feedback Thursday edition here on the Steve Day Show podcast because we are out on Friday, so we kind of pushed up all of the show and podcast pro- programming up a, kind of a day earlier, and Steve sent a bunch of, uh, a bunch of feedback that we're going to try to get through, Todd, and um, Steve, of course, is, has, has lost his voice. So uh, once we get done giving our feedback for each one of these items, he's going to give us a Commodus thumbs up or thumbs down. We're going to do our best Steve impressions. I mean, <clears throat> you bet your sweet bippy we're going to do our best Steve impressions on the podcast today. And um, Todd, no pressure, man. I, I hope you don't feel any pressure because I certainly do. None at all. Let's just kick it off with, are you not entertained? Not yet, anyway. Uh, We'll start with this note from Eric. He uh, says, you keep asking what has changed, and you might be overlooking one fact. This is in regards to North Korea. This could add a factor to your economic middle class slash China possibility. The Kim family's role model and big brother has always been China, as Todd says. China's population just voted, quote-unquote, to make Xi lifelong president. That's Xi Jinping. 
Do we really think that the brainwashed population of North Korea wouldn't quote-unquote vote to make Kim Jong-un leader for the life? Un gets to deliver economic prosperity with the North Korean people have never seen and looks like a hero. He then asks them to vote him in as leader forever as China just did. Who loses in that situation? One, China makes more customers for their goods. Two, the North Korean people get food and idolize the Kim family. Three, China and Russia still have control over North Korea. Four, China flatters Trump and gets him to soften on the trade war. Five, China and Russia both get more fiscal power and become less dependent on the U.S. economy. My theory is that the only loser in the U.S. is the U.S. in this situation. She gets Trump to do what he wants regarding the trade war, and China minimizes the long-term importance of the U.S. economy. Just a thought. That's from Eric. Well, first of all, I think the analysis uh, about the brainwashing of the North Korean people and how they would just, if they had some sort of um, enormous prosperity that they so far, uh, especially in my life, really for the last uh, 40 to 50 years, have not experienced um, just voting Kim Jong-un as uh, supreme leader for life. I think that's absolutely spot on, which is why, um, in my theory, I think that's that's makes it an even uh, bigger no-brainer for Kim because he gets to hold on to power no matter what happens, and he gets all of the all of the uh, accoutrements of actually turning into somewhat of a um, South Korea slash um, a, a cheaper version of what China is right now and what China is doing um, for the uh, for the you know cheap goods or cheaply made goods uh, factor of of any economy. As far as this uh, affecting the U.S., I'm not really sure how anything North Korea could necessarily do right now could have such a huge impact on the U.S. As, so as to destabilize to a, uh, a great, again, it's tough to quantify this, but I'm not really sure how they could have, Todd, as, as big of an impact on the U.S.'s economy in a negative way as what Eric is saying. What do you think? Well, first, we could lose a trade war with China with or without yeah. uh, North uh, Korea in the picture. Uh, furthermore, in terms of our message, uh, worldview message on this show, in terms of uh, uh, both Christianity and capitalism, uh, the priority of winning a trade war, uh, this specific trade war, is less than freeing the uh, Korean people, the North Korean people, from that tyranny that controls every single aspect of their lives. So I think while your analysis is reasonable, it is not actually fundamental to the issue at hand. Yeah, the thing with with North Korea, as as much as we've we've theorized and we've seen actions and now it sounds like perhaps this June 12th summit is going to be delayed, Mike Pence said the other day that President Trump is not, he doesn't have a problem with walking away from, from any negotiations. We, we still don't know really what the North's motivations. It, it could be, it doesn't seem like this, because what we have seen from Kim Jong-un so far has been nothing short of historic. Going and shaking hands and, you know, uh, you know uh, kissing hands, shaking babies with, uh, with the South Korean people. 
Um, that's that is truly historic in my book, and and officially ending the Korean War. That of course yeah. is historic. So we still really don't know what their motivations are. It seems different this time around, but the only thing I think we know for sure is that it only seems different. And at the end of the day, in one month, maybe maybe it's two months, maybe at the end of the fall, it could be back to Kim Jong-un. We will destroy the United States. We have our missiles pointed at Guam. We have our missiles pointed at Hawaii. I, I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but it very well could. You just... We could legitimately be just dealing with a crazy person in Kim Jong-un, and we just don't know. It's fun fun to theorize, but then you remember, but, as Todd pointed out, that there are um, mil- uh, millions of oppressed and, people. And if it's not that, if if, if, if a people have finally been freed, even if there are something that can be labeled... Um, Nefarious, even. I mean, obviously, China is going to act in its own uh, self-interest, and and that may put uh, or may or may not put the USA behind the eight ball. But if they are legitimately free, and our first concern is well, what's this going to do in terms of a trade war? We've got our yeah. own priorities yep. uh, out of whack. We're no longer good. Yeah, uh, Commodus. Nice thumbs up. Nice thumbs up. Nice hey, thumbs up. This one is from uh, Evan. With the latest Republican betrayal, it got me thinking about the sad state of conservatism in politics today. I think it's easy to only focus on the political world, but I want to shift the conversation to what may be some positive developments. Do you think conservatives are starting to win back the culture, at least in some ways? People like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, and Steven Crowder have become very popular in the last couple of years. Prager Yu has also become hugely popular by teaching conservative values, and people like Dave Rubin have moved away from the left. As a student on a college campus, I've been noticing that this is beginning to have an impact on the culture. I'm not sure the extent of this just yet, but I know that the radical social justice warrior left has seen a backlash from many people. With the insanity we see on a daily basis, this may be hard to pick up on. But I wanted, but uh, what I wanted you to see, uh, but I wanted you to uh, see what you thought about this. After all, as Harvey Dent says, the night is darkest just before the dawn, and I promise you, the dawn is coming. Would love to hear your thoughts. Again, that's from Evan. Um, I, I think there's merit to this, for sure. The I think. The notion that people, there are certain people, certain personalities who have um, risen to some level of fame, who are some degree of conservatism uh, or conservative, that is not up for debate. The star, uh, the, the steady rise and ascendancy of Ben Shapiro is nothing short of astounding. You can't argue with that. And the massive platform that he has, the meteoric rise of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if if you guys have really watched much of his stuff, uh, but it's easy to see why he has why he has risen to fame. Uh, if you listen to any of his lectures, um, Stephen Crowder, the dude just has balls of steel. I don't know again how many of your uh, of his videos that you've watched, and I think people appreciate his. Uh, courage of conviction and dave rubin i don't know much about but i know that he is at least attempting to call balls and strikes there is um so so i'm not debating i don't think that is up for debate 
What I question, though, is this backlash to the left, what does that accomplish? What fills the void? Two of the three main people mentioned in this, in this, um, in this email, one, Ben Shapiro, um, you know, he comes from a background that's very similar to ours. Jordan Peterson, um, he says a lot of things that are conservative, conservative um, but he comes from his, his philosophy and his uh, psychology is very much, is it Jungian or Jungian psychology? Jungian. Jungian. There you go. I was homeschooled. Um, not to uh, put a hyperbole on that, but um, if you follow his his philosophy to its to its logical conclusion, it's very much one of humanism. Um, Stephen Crowder, I, I have I have no doubts about his worldview and his his credentials therein. What I'm getting at is, yes, there is a backlash to the left that is happening, and we're seeing that. And right now, as far as conservatism goes, or uh, the not left goes, the left is our best friend. Because they keep overreaching. They keep bringing up the crazy. Again, I've said this before. Donald Trump tomorrow could say, you know what? $50 million wasn't enough for Planned, Parent- Planned Parenthood. I'm going to defund, um, you, what, what is it, uh, Title A, whatever. I'm going to fund the, the other $450 million. And, oh, look over there. Uh, you know, Berkeley is on fire again. Um, any, name any liberal leftist college campus. They will go nuts. And people will backlash against that. The problem then becomes, what's filling the void? If it's a guy like Jordan Peterson, we, you know, we can coexist with a guy like that for sure. But if you follow his philosophy to its logical conclusion, it becomes humanist, which then becomes um, uh, some side of the coin that we're seeing from the left right now. Um you know, if you follow something like Ben Shapiro or Steven Crowder, the, the worldviews that they're working from, that I think that's nothing but positive. But right now, I don't really see conservatism taking ground back. I see the left losing ground, but I don't really see conservatism as a whole, on a whole, really taking ground, except for in one area. And that would be the pro-life argument. Because we are starting to see, and Todd... Let me know if you agree with this. I think en masse, in my lifetime, especially in the last five to ten years, we're seeing the language change with the pro-life argument. I'm taking a class in ethics right now as I attempt to finally get my college degree done. Um, and ethics has everything to do with philosophy. And I'm, I love philosophy, and I'm remembering as I'm doing review, as I'm starting this class this week... That an argument is not really won when you have the argument. It's not really won um, with the premises, although that's important. The argument is won a long time before that. The argument is won with the language that we use. Because you can have good premises with bad syntax and still lose an argument, if that makes sense. But we're actually changing the language of how we talk about the pro-life movement. And I think we're starting to see... Uh, I think we're starting to see some dividends of that because it's it's a lot harder. I will say I think it's a lot harder for somebody to say they are pro-choice now than it was five to ten years ago. Do you agree with that, Todd? And what do you think about the overall? Well, there's the momentum there, but there's nothing in the way of something that can be recognized as a 
sustainable. Your analysis about the left uh, was deadlocked on uh, it, we are the the right, the conservative right is being more um, unapologetic. Uh, more aggressive uh, in its conservatism than it has been in a lo- long time. But that is way too dependent, right? It's necessary, but it's way too dependent right now on having the foil of the left. Ben Shapiro is a perfect example. I mean, he, people know who Ben Shapiro is largely because of him going into the uh, lion's den, uh, live very liberal campuses, and just having it out with him. And people have reached a point where they're just like with Donald Trump, it's just like, yeah, finally, somebody, anybody, because those guys are whack jobs. Uh, but for this, for cons- so it's, it's kind of winning by default. For con- for conservatism to really be winning, it needs to stand on its own two feet. It needs to be the math, the language we think by. Orthodox Christians, there's below all of our thinking, our fundamentals, Trinitarianism, uh, 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 an understanding of our sin nature, things like that that are just embodied in our DNA. When people start thinking as conservatives, uh, it, it will be a second nature for them to take an issue and they will organically apply being a conservative to that. It won't just be the think tanks. So we don't have anything close to a conservative culture right now. We often don't have anything close to a conservative culture amongst those who call themselves, if they have a choice, the binary choice, who would call, yeah, I'm more conservative than I am uh, a liberal. So it is uh, reactionary largely right now. It's successfully reactionary in many respects, but that is just step one for sustainability. It has to do and be so much more. Yeah. Um, politics in this country, uh, as has been said numerous times on this show, is how we do uh, civil war. And right now, um, the left is always, always, always waging war. Sometimes it's kamikaze missions, uh, where, uh, and sometimes it's uh, you know uh, maybe a more modern term. Sometimes it's uh, suicide missions for them, as it were, when they uh, start to go radically left, where they actually start doing more damage to them uh, than they do their side than they actually do to ours. The rest of the country is the not left. To your point, we're not we're not conservative. Because we just um, we, we don't we don't think through things at that level. I think the vast majority of people, and it's easy again, reminder. It's easy again for us to sit here. We're on social media and Twitter, and we follow this stuff closely every day. It's easy for us to think that the rest of the country is, is like this. It's not the case. People just want to freaking have the American dream. They just they want to live their lives. They want to make some money. They want to have families. Maybe they want to. Uh, do leisurely things. Uh, they wonder why the hell the government is taking 25% of their paycheck. They don't... They, I, the, and this is not a knock. I don't think those things are... But they're just normal people. They, the, the, the vast majority are, of our country are just want to have a good life. Just want to have a decent life. Yet... Um, yet the left still takes... Uh, takes ground if they well it has taken ground in the past 
and is now starting, I think, to lose some ground, at least in people's minds. Um, but people, I, for the, I think the vast majority of people, I'll sum it up like this, the vast majority of people just don't have a worldview. They just want to live. And we have to be cognizant of that. How do we reach those people? I think that's the conversation that the right needs to have. Well, and let's let's say for the sake of argument that what we see here is the total implosion of progressivism leading up to 2020. What, based on what we have, the evidence we have available to us right now, people are going to say, wow, what a win for conservatism. No. Uh, they're going to be saying, what a win for Donald Trump. Yeah. So, and saying that that's a win for conservatism is will be equal measures, you know, ignorance, lying to oneself, uh, propaganda. I don't know, but it it, it 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 conservative will have had some wins to make that happen, but something far different needs to happen, and I don't think that can happen under the best of circumstances in the next two and a half years. Commodus. Two thumbs, Two thumbs up. up. Wow. Two thumbs up. Wow, man. Uh, this one, next one is from uh, David Stevens, who uh, listens to us in Maine. I joined CRTV for Crowder, but I listen to your podcast, both of them every day. I have heard you many times refer to the Founding Fathers. They had deep beliefs that taxation without representation and the tyrannical English government were immoral and evil. They asked and answered the question of what are you willing to die and kill for? My question for the three of you is, what is your line? What would be the final straw for you to take up arms against our government? I feel we are within a decade of asking ourselves that question. Thank you for the consideration of this question. I know it's a tough one and one not to be taken lightly. So, David, in light of that, I'm going to let Todd answer this one first. Well... I actually think we are already there in pockets. Uh, the when we talk about uh, how, how right we were about uh, what what the answer is to how is uh, my gay marriage going to affect you, and the answer is in every way conceivable. And in just a very short period of time, uh, businesses are being. Uh, tyrannically uh, uh, shut down uh, uh, in the name of uh, basically uh, we've we've been uh, triggered and therefore you don't get uh, to exist unless you kneel uh, before me uh, we're, we're already there. If that starts happening writ large, if it start, if if people like Kim Davis aren't allowed to have a conscience uh, in terms of the execution of their duties, but here in Iowa, our own Attorney General uh, Tom Miller has refused to defend the recently passed heartbeat bill. It's it's the now. Quite frankly, I'm not just because I'm going to run cover for Kim Davis. I actually think we have a far better, more sustainable society if he is allowed to do that. I can't and could conscious. It's now going to be defended uh, without charge privately uh, by a conservative think tank, which I think is just ironic. They they hate. protecting babies so much that they're now going to let the people who want to protect them the most defend this bill. But I think he should be allowed to do that. Yet the double standard is also deeply tyrannical. 
uh, if, 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 there, if you can just pivot like that and it, send a woman to jail in the one hand, but give yourself a total pass based on the exact same kind of issue, we are in various, very dangerous times. So my answer is we are already there, but these things are kind of working in fits and starts right now. When these things become fully the reality of the day i'm not sure i can say what exactly that's going to look or feel like but it's it is genuinely right around the corner uh we didn't know when the great spark uh in uh, uh was going to uh ignite uh the american revolution again people a lot of people think the boston massacre happened and there they we were the boston massacre steve not what that was 1770 if memory serves the boston no excuse me the the, the, yeah, the Boston Massacre was. And then between that, you have uh, Boston Tea Party. You have Stamp Acts. You have a lot of thing that le- led up to it. So um, it, it's, it uh, could be right around the corner. It could be, uh, like you said, a, a decade from now. I don't know. But what I, I am absolutely certain about, the things that could cause it and are worth fighting for are already happening right now. Yeah, this is a difficult question, but it's a good. It's a great question um, to ask David because of what Todd just said. We are already seeing, and we're living in those times. Um, God forbid that we get to the point in our culture where we let Alfie, another Alfie Evans, happen here, but we already have. We already did, as we pointed out during that story. So I guess, I guess, that was a line that. People weren't willing to cross. So what is the line then? And the question was addressed to us. These these questions are difficult to ask because you really don't know until you're in a situation where you have to make this decision. I think the dude side of all of us would say, you know what? They come from my family, or they come for they try to they try to keep my kid in the hospital and won't t- let me take him home. Um, they they try to uh, do X Y Z to us unjustly, violating our God given rights. If government tries to do that, or people in authority institutions try to do that, the dude side of all of us, I think uh, I think we would agree. We would say, yeah, uh, hell 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 to the no. Um. I, I, I think it, there, there cannot be any hesitation, though, when that time comes. And so you have to think through these things now. You have to think through these scenarios now. And I would, I would say that if, and this is, this is what I was thinking as I was reading this email, if there's a situation where for whatever reason somebody comes uh, to my home or my residence, um, for whatever reason, uh, whether it's and unjustly so, whether it's to take a child for whatever reason, whether it's to take guns uh, for whatever reason that I've legally purchased, um, that is the time where that is the precipice. I think for some of these, some of these decisions, and I would say that would be the line when they start messing with me in my house that's where i would draw the line commodus 
It's got a shaky one a sh- thumb. Shaky one thumb. And it should go to show how weak his voice genuinely is that that's... Because he's gee, chomping at the bit. Uh, okay, boys. Yeah. Let me share a word or not. He actually can't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We'll go to uh, Bob Hawkins. I just caught up to the February 8th Theology Podcast last night, and I wanted to thank you, uh, the three of you, for excellent commentary. The February 8th Theology Thursday Podcast was entitled, How Christians Can Find Truth in a Post-Truth Culture. Your thoughts on narrative crafting were almost cathartic to hear spoken out loud. I voiced similar sentiments with my friends and feel a Sith-like absolutism creeping into their counterpoints. Case in point, my good friend and I had a nasty falling out last year after several debates on his clutching to anti-Trump everything. It's been a particularly heartbreaking since he'd always been a very critical thinker and supportive Christian brother. Since the past election cycle, though, he seems more than willing to accept things that support a progressive worldview. The story about your friend's father, whose temperament changed based on his media consumption, made me wonder if my friend had simply succumbed to indoctrination, as it were. It's from Bob. Humans have a tendency to, to do this, Bob. We, we might be um, set in our ways um, one minute, and those may, ways might be very good, like just being a critical thinker. Then as soon as something disrupts the status quo of whatever whatever context we're living in so whether whether it's a political context context or a worldview context or a church context something disrupts the status quo that we don't agree with instead of saying i don't agree with that but i'm still going to we have a tendency to swing all the way like a pendulum to the other side I'm not saying that's necessarily what your friend does but it kind of sounds like that's what's going on here so from just a human nature standpoint, I wouldn't be super alarmed. It's disappointing and it's frustrating. I wouldn't be super alarmed because I don't think that's, um, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily uh, all that uncommon. What you're describing, Bob. As far as relating to him as a friend, can you talk about things other than politics? Do you have to talk about politics with this guy all the time? I learned my lesson in 2016. I just gotten hired um, by uh, a national talk show host who I had listened to growing up. I thought I was hot crap. I really did. Um, and acquaintances that I talked about politics with before, I talked about, you know, I, I would try to uh, engage in political discussions. And I was still in the mindset that my Facebook friends... You know, if they posted something that I thought they should know better than, then it was incumbent upon me to um, to confront them. I was still in that mode in early 2016. You know what happened to some of those friends that I used to um, talk to about politics and other things about, but but politics a lot with? Don't talk to them anymore. Don't have any contact with them. Because either I burned them out or they burned me out. If you're talking about a true friend... There are other things that you can talk about. You can put those things aside. There's no reason why you need to have a falling out like I did with multiple people during that during that time. Don't make the same mistakes that I did. Concentrate on being a good friend first, then the politics, 
and those types of conversations can come later. Todd, what do you think? Well, I've had a long-standing policy about talking about politics with friends is that I don't I never start it. It's that simple. And if yeah. they want to start it, uh, I'm more than happy to oblige. And quite often, I actually put on the, the caveat. I said, are, are you sure you want to have this conversation? I said, because we can have it. Um, but I, if if you want to, we're really going to have it. And sometimes they decide, yeah, they think the better of it because there's there's nothing wrong with having it. And if having it reasonably uh, it still ends up giving him the vapors, it's it's a them problem. I, but politics is important enough as well that you just can't always set it aside. I think you have to find a healthy balance with each particular uh, friend. As as in terms of his, uh, what's the word he used in his question? Is what happened to my friend? Was it um, was it Pro- was he programmed or what? Uh, yeah, has he succumbed to indoctrination? Indoctrination. Well, uh, listen, it, it's it's like a uh, healthy immune system or, or not having one. If you don't have a healthy immune system, the same bug that kind of just kind of a person can sleep off in 24 hours lays you, just flat out lays you out. And uh, I don't, it, it, this isn't, Donald Trump just triggered something that was already there with this guy. He did not have a healthy immune system, which is ultimately why Steve is talking about worldview this year. He did not have a healthy worldview that could sustain Donald Trump. Now, again, I say that fully recognize everybody on the show, they say Donald Trump, Donald Trump has hit all of our immune systems hard. But how are our immune systems, whatever state they were in before Donald Trump got that way, had nothing to do with Donald Trump. And that's really important to remember. The fact that you could obsess so much about Donald Trump to the point it turns you into this is something that you must deconstruct and go back and how you got there in the first place. Well said, Commodus. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right, uh, let's do one more here. This one should be uh, rather fun. This is from Stephen. If the current crop of Republicans were a position on a football team, yes, we're talking about football, Todd. Well, Steve's in the room. Yeah, what position would they play? Quarterback, put the ball in their hands each and every snap. Linemen quietly doing their job, knowing the game is really won at the trenches. Backup quarterback, happy to be on the team, getting paid and doesn't care if they play or not. Kicker has one job. Yet no one wants the outcome of the game on their shoulders. <laughs> oh, man. Who would be the quarterback of the Republicans right now? We're going to look at this from a um, a conservative context. They want a specific name? or would I think so, yeah. Who would you... Who in uh, it, this? Oh, so from the current real crop of Republicans right now, who would you want to be the proverbial quarterback? Oh, who do I want to be? Yeah. I thought the question, who actually is right now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, quarterback, I would have to say... Uh, I don't want to be a cruise homer. You know what? I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a cruise homer, so I'm not going to even... I'm going to leave him out of this almost, almost um, by rule. Quarterback, put the ball in their hands each and every snap... You know what? I'm actually going to go with. I'm going to go with Thomas Massey. Actually, I'm going to go. Uh, going to go kind of out on a limb here. I think he has been. I think he has been more. Um, 
uh, you know, a rep- representative, you're one of well, 500 voices in the House of Representatives. But if if he was the one um, carrying the load, if you're putting the ball in his hands, you know what? I think he has a decent enough record. The f- well, the fact that this is so hard to answer is, says that we don't yeah. have mm-hmm. a starting quarterback, yeah. <laughs> yeah. period. But put me in coach. I'm ready to play. We got to pick somebody. I'm basing this... Uh, based on uh, family uh, pedigree, what he's like on his best day, how the embodiment of that pedigree and what he's like on his best day has proven to resonate uh, with um, non-typical demographics who have come to say, ah, I I like what you're saying. Uh, So I would say uh, Rand... Paul, because look, I mean, his his dad in the gosh, which election? What in twenty twelve? You know, he was a in the late years of his seventies and was re- resonating with people your age, uh, Aaron. And he had some crazy yeah. stuff in there too. But he was just communicating ideas in a different way that was changing uh, the discussion. And Rand Paul, on again on his best days. Has and those happened before uh, 2016, and then embarrassed, and he, they have happened after he embarrassed himself in 2016. So again, I footnote that saying he he's not really a starting quarterback. But if we have to choose one, I and I and I'm also not going to take the easier. Of course, both of us. If if you said Ted Cruz is your guy, sure, but uh, that would have been too easy for the show. All right, linemen quietly doing their job, knowing the game is really won in the trenches. I'm going to go with Mike Lee for that one. Yeah, that's... Because he's not a big-time orator. I guess neither is Thomas Massey, but... Hmm. I think he's got a little bit more skill than uh, Mike Lee. And it has to be in Congress? You could choose a governor. I guess... uh, No, let's let's keep it in Congress. Let's uh, keep it in Congress. Just because we haven't been depressing Once enough. Once again, the fact that we have um, 535 people in Congress and I can't readily pick one other than that that I think is the guy quietly uh, doing his job the best. Do I have to just sit here and agree with you that it's probably Mike Lee? I mean, my goodness, who who do we have in the house that is just... I think we already answered this from Stephen. If the current crop of Republicans were a position on a football team, what position would they play? I think the operative word there is team, and there's no team in GOP. There's just different voices. So the question, that the premise of the question is moved. And it also, listen, this speaks to my... Uh, the things that I just... It's been months now. Months when we were talking about at the very beginning and yeah i hated talking about it 2018 i said good we're not i'm just gonna check out uh and steve unless you tell me you're gonna fire me i'm just gonna check out when we talk about 2018 um but i i just don't care I'm still at that plate in terms of the win or the loss. It's fascinating to watch and my my growing in my sense of the reality of the one who is dumb as last loses. But what there 
what is that this speaks to what i talked about with uh, that tweet i saw recently with uh paul ryan says why he's not going to give up uh his speakership because he doesn't want to get that that um in the way of the agenda the republicans are pursuing what agenda what if, if somebody is quietly doing his job it's almost to the point of irrelevancy because that job is going nowhere so i i must i can't almost i have to protest even answering this question really well steven we Steve's did our laughing. best i win we did our best steven and our best was just not you know we we didn't even answer the rest of your question commodus I, I get a point and a thumbs up. I mean, wow. I can't redeem. I can't remember the last time Steve came in here. I really can't, and said, "You know what? I need to give credit to where credit is due to this particular Republican Congressman." I cannot remember. I mean, they've come up tangentially in discussions, but I just can't remember when he went out of his way to make that point. It hasn't happened in such a long time, which is basically there, the answer to the question. Yep. Well, that will do it. Uh, We are out of here for the next few days. We'll be back on Tuesday. We've got a long weekend planned for Memorial Day. Todd, you doing anything special? Uh, uh, The State Cup soccer tournament for the state of iowa the state championship for youth soccer uh is except uh, for the soccer part that's really cool yeah Yeah. this weekend so my my second daughter uh, 12 year old tessa is gonna see if she can bring home the cup very cool very cool um i'm gonna be out of the state if i'm not back on tuesday it's because i'm dead look for a penske truck on (laughs) i-90 We'll see you on uh, Tuesday when uh, Steve will be fully recovered, hopefully. Knock on uh, wood. And until then, Micah 6-8.